Welcome to the Dividend Talk Podcast, episode 141. Stocks we don't feel comfortable about going into a potential recession. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just getting started, Dividend Talk is the place to be for insights, analysis, and unsorted advice on how to make the most of your money through dividends with our own unique European flavor. I'm your co-host, Engineer My Freedom, and today I am joined by European DGI. So sit back, relax, and join us as we dive into the world of dividend investing and discover the power of passive income. Good morning, European DJI. How have you been this week? Hey, good morning. Uh, actually, I've been really good. A bit busy at work, of course. It's this time of the year, March, April. So, um, again, people have seen me a little bit less online as well, uh, sharing things about investing. But that's also the great thing about the sleep well at night portfolio, right? Yeah. Uh, hey, what I am looking forward to, it, it is coming up to spring. And I always look forward to your annual spring cleaning kind of report. I think you normally do a blog post or a video or something. So that should be Correct. soon, right? Yeah. I'm yeah, looking. I usually do it in the in the first week of May or something like that. That's in Poland when you really have the feeling of spring. That's usually then when I, uh, well, you know, do my annual portfolio cleanup. Uh, often it leads into selling some small ancillary positions um and re redeploy the cash to the more where I have more conviction there and what i like about the spring cleaning is for me it's um that you're not selling it when it's already crashed yeah you're just reevaluating some of the businesses check whether you like them and actually we have a bit of this topic of this today here as well so and then it's more like opportunistic i would say under calm times usually yeah 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 it's good it's a good topic today based based on that it might give you a little bit of your prep work just just a little bit in advance but before we we go into talking about stocks in our portfolio is there anything in the news this week that that stands out yes yes definitely what stood out for me first of all uh, was the news about novo nordisk being the second biggest company in europe by market cap amazing right and if you've seen the run-up of this stock price over the last few years, I mean, eh, talking about compounding, right? Uh, of course, also the valuation is really hot, I would say. But this this new drug, uh, this obesity drug, Vigovi and, and you know, Ozempic are really, really doing well. And I actually also read an, uh, an article about it, that whole Hollywood is almost on this drug because uh, when they need to do a movie or something like that, or when they want to do lose weight, uh, weight they're lost, then they typically seem to take these kinds of Novo Nordisk drugs because it's it's kind of a way of cheating yourself in into quick loss weight, right? So, And there are even supply issues in some of those areas there uh, around Hollywood from what I read. But uh, credits to Novo Nordisk, they are doing really, really well. And they kicked off Nestle now, you know, Nestle from the second place. And if you think about how much turnover Nestle has in products worldwide, their water business, then, yeah, it tells you how much drugs also Novo Nordisk is selling at a nice margin. Uh, amazing, amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. But, like, if you go back to that story just a little bit, it's a diabetes drug, I think, by default. That That's what the drug is for. And it's been used by individuals as an appetite suppressant i mean that's just uh, that just blows my mind it's 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 not been used what it's designed for but look all credit to over an artist we we know it's a quality company and it's it's one we spoke about here before we or i regret not initiating a position in them closer around around covid but to knock off nestle nestle is a massive massive brand so it's it's quite an achievement i think yeah, and of course, it's market cap, right? So there's yeah. a lot of uh, future uh, priced into that. But hey, it still has one to go, and that's uh, Louis Vuitton. So let's see if it uh, can get this one uh, from the first place. But why not? Why not? Yeah. Yeah. No, why not? If 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 Hollywood is taking these drugs, it's definitely going to it's definitely going to spread out more. So you n you never know. Yeah. You never and, know. And 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 you know, if you think about it, we had did dividend Dane once uh, here, and also he wrote an article once on my blog about Novo Nordisk and the Novo Zymes, the whole franchise that they have. It's quite amazing for such a small country like Denmark to yeah. already you know produce effectively the second biggest 
so far by market market cap company in Europe. Yeah, really yeah. amazing. Pretty good. So, what I what I seen this week, we we heard of inflation, right? But have you heard of shrinkflation? <laughs> it's 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 a tell me more. Tell it's me a, more. It's a phenomenon that's happening. Uh, Unilever, for example, has cut its Magnum packs by a quarter, but the prices stay the same. So they had this pack of four. I think the pack of four 100 milliliter Magnums. And now they've cut that to a pack of three, but you still pay the same price as what you're paying before. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know how they, they think they can get away with this. If you're a family, if you're a family of four, who I would imagine. Which is kind buying, of the average. Yeah, yeah. Which, which I would imagine is buying these family packs. That's what they are. You're going to have one kid that's not going to be happy. <laughs> so you buy a second out. box. <laughs> you have to buy a second box. But it's um, it's 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 quite in interesting to see it, isn't it? Like that, that just shows you the pressure they are under cost-wise. And I know that they will expect sales to decline from this, but they obviously have it worked out in such a way that they think that sales will decline less than what it costs them to produce yeah. the, tree, the tree pack. Yeah, and I have to test with it as well. But look, if you're now a family of four, you would need to buy three of those packs, right? To have two ice creams out of it. So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see record Magnum sales or ice cream sales at uh, Unilever this summer being reported. And what is funny, I also looked at the sizes because I've felt that the sizes are shrinking uh, when you go to the shop. Yeah. So I checked the original Magnum ice cream was invented in in the 80s, 88, I believe, and then um, really pushed globally uh, more in the 90s. That's from when I remember it. And at that time, it was 120 grams, yeah. uh, 120 milliliter and 88 grams or something like that. Well, you know, I was a kid, so maybe that's why they felt so big, because my mouth was still small. <laughs> but uh, they last year, they um, also cut it in July 2022 from 110 to 100, gram, uh, 100 milliliters. So it already reduced also over the years like that. But then even that's for the Magnum Classic. Also, other Magnums that have been released have been just sometimes being released for less than 100 milliliters. So overall, the experience from us from the 90s is that they are becoming a regular ice cream because in the past it was like you had normal ices, ice creams and then yeah. you had a Magnum and you knew you had like an XXL kind of uh, ice cream. Yeah. So they're taking this kind of experience away. It became like a regular size. It's still only the crunchy of the chocolate and the vanilla inside. And now they give you also less in the box, so yeah, yeah. But it, it it definitely does show the pressure, and and you're thinking that the show is about going into a recession. And if we do go into a recession, you you imagine premium brands like Magnums will will disappear from a family shopping list, and they will maybe go with the Aldi or Lidl or some other value version of it. And then on top of that, they've now reduced the size quantity of the box, so you you could you can see that there'll, there'll be a lot of pressure pressure on these but it's um it's also an interesting fact that chocolate and ice creams are the most complained about shrinkflation products ever so roughly 25 percent of customers complain about chocolate in a negative light it always just seems to get smaller and smaller and smaller yeah and we, we continue to be more and more upset and emotional about all oh, what's going on in the world so we actually need more chocolate and exactly. then having the price on top of that no wonder that half the world is in a depression right now <laughs> exactly yeah it's it's all unilever's fault we need more chocolate guys <laughs> um dividend hikes this week i don't think there's been too many that i i've seen no not 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 at all i mean uh some some companies that we are not really interested in i i just wanted to call out maybe uh the german utility rwe they announced a dividend of one euro per share for the upcoming year which is 11 percent more than the year before and if you then look at the other european company they actually you know cut their dividend almost in half and that was from coffee machine maker the longi italian one that's a company i've been often looking at um i've got the, the longi machine at home i studied them it was never convincing me enough to to do a further deeper research but i love the brand because their coffee machines are really awesome so yeah they cut the dividends so I will never own some shares probably in that one. Yeah. I'm I'm not sure with DeLonghi, are they targeting retail coffee or do they also target like your baristas with, with the machines? 
I, I believe it's both. It's both, but they are really big in the retail. If you go into any shop, electronic shop here, you see them in the queue lined up. Uh, premium brands, yeah, they have a lot of shelf exposure. Yeah. Let's say like that. So, so that just makes me wonder: is it is it people are buying cheaper brands, or are people going out and buying coffee more? One has a better impact on, say, the likes of Costa and Starbucks, and then one maybe they're buying cheaper machines for home yeah. I, I don't know i haven't studied the company but, but mm. it's, it's an interesting interesting um concept to see the reason why they've they've had the cut yeah. yep awesome so let's talk about our portfolios there's look the markets are a little bit crazy at the moment we struggle to find some news of the week because it is overbearingly about banks as you will expect at the moment it's it's pretty much been shoved in our faces everywhere we t we run online but there is there is concerns that this could lead to a, a potential recession and i think it's always good to look at your portfolio and see what kind of stocks would you not feel comfortable about in a recession and um, so i might go first okay and the first one on my list is hpq okay and I, i'll tell you what my my whole investment thesis around these is around our really really strong free cash flow generation i mean we've looked over the last couple of years and it's always been been incredibly strong even when demand was weakening for our products they've always generated a lot a lot of free cash flow and our capital allocation was around giving the shareholders as much money as they can in buybacks but also on, in dividends but also buying back shares because they're a historically cheap price that was my investment thesis. They, they generate st strong cash flow. I was not expecting huge growth out of these guys. They're, they're in a really competitive market. So it, it's hard for them to see exponential growth. But as long as they were generating consistent cash flows and committed to paying out that dividend, I'm happy. We fast forward to quarter one, 2023. We can see that cash flow got hit massively, almost to the point where it's, it's negative compared to 2022. I kind of ignore 2021 because that was an outlier year based on on demand. The consumer market is pretty pretty weak at the moment. We're seeing it across all HPQ, Dell, Lenovo. It is extremely weak. Going into a recession, that will only get weaker. I think HP have a strong enough balance sheet now to to withstand that for a short period. But it it just depends on how long a recession is, isn't it? If we have a prolonged recession. That's when their balance sheet will start getting weaker. They've already called their cutbacks. They've done, I think, only 100 million in share buybacks in quarter one. They're doing zero next quarter. They're not doing any uh, compared to 1 billion this time last year. So you can see they've scaled that back. Um, so that that's my that's my main concern here, that cash flow is going to take a massive hit. If we have a prolonged recession, we could see that dividend being as well that's so that's that's my main that's my main reason for adding these onto my to my watch list and uh, maybe out of curiosity do you think the dividend is safe I, I i do believe that dividend is safe at the moment um as i said it's more depending on how long that that recession would last for if, if we saw a recession lasting for like 12 months and these these continually have negative cash flows each and every quarter it, how are they going to pay for that dividend the only way they can do that is by by raising new debt and in the current market you don't really want to do that either yeah so so they pay about 260 million in dividends per quarter yeah um and if you look at their free cash flow yes over the last quarter it was slightly negative 200 yeah. million but if you look over the years i think it should easily be able to cover yeah uh, uh, the uh, dividends of, of course of course if it, yeah. we're looking at past history but i i'm saying if we take this quarter and it's not yeah. in isolation and it continues in that trend yeah then they won't be able to cover it but historically they've been fine yeah but would you then because yeah let's uh, assume a weaker consumer um i said trend also the reason why they had lower free cash flow in the last few quarters is because of uh, sales being brought forward during COVID when everyone suddenly needed a laptop. Yeah. So, and we saw many of the chip makers struggling with this with a general slowdown as well. Yeah. Um, so, let's assume that the consumer cons uh, continues to be weak. Um, do you see yourself selling it then? I would 
be selling, depending on their cash flows and how well that dividend is covered. If I feel the dividend is not covered and the prospects is not turning anytime soon. So if we have a full year of negative free cash flow, yeah. uh, free cash flow growth, and then the, con the consensus or the growth prospects are still a weakened market, I would probably yeah. end up selling at that point. Yeah. Okay. So that means that you don't have generally a strong conviction about the business when you bought it. Because why I'm saying, um, for me, uh, a player like HPQ is more like a cyclical company. Yeah. So course. I expect them from time to time to, well, not necessarily to straight away make a loss, but uh, under like economic stress to not sell a lot. Yeah. And therefore, the question is more like, can they have like two, three years? trouble but still commitment to the dividend and should the company after that still be healthy and for me hpq makes the cut although i believe that what we have seen over the last four four years let's say their aggressive buyback also a lot via debt in my opinion was actually quite smart if you looked at the multiples at the time i think they have been doing a textbook example of smart buybacks uh, at the time yeah yeah, and 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 I get that, but again, my free cash, my investment thesis was around our strong cash flow generation and their ability to pay that back to me in dividends. Uh, I've been guilty in the past of holding on to a company because I like them and, and and so on, but I just want to focus on on the numbers and the possibility of that dividend cut. Even if they don't, I would rather be invested in a company like Johnson and Johnson, where I'm I'm sure I'm a hundred percent sure they're not going to cut the dividend that the free cash flow covers they are dividend rather than someone that's struggling over maybe a year or two years and the option of the dividend cut is more likely for them yeah. so one more challenge then Go why not why, why not sell now while the share price is still relatively holding up uh, because you might otherwise end up selling it at uh, i don't know 20 bucks uh, instead of 28 bucks right now because johnson johnson is yielding at three percent we expect a dividend hike in april yeah uh so that's a good question that's a fair question i'm not selling them now because i don't believe in this moment in time that the dividend is unsafe i, th I think that it's look it's one quarter that they've had it as i said i, I need to see mm -hmm. i need to monitor this over a full year and see what the trends is over i i am expecting the second quarter to be just as hard as this one they've already said that but according to their own analysts and according to their guidance the second half of the year is when they'll start ramping back up and they should generate enough to cover that dividend but it's probably going to be the third quarter of this year when we'll see whether the market goes as they expect or are they yeah. are they keeping keeping okay good 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 yeah so hpq i uh, how is it it's not my strongest conviction in my whole portfolio so i'm with you there but i also bought them consciously being a cash machine in the end where i believe the market will always look at it as a printer uh, op, uh printer salesman let's say printer yeah. reseller yeah which i believe is, is incorrect uh, i see the world uh, needing more and more um computers laptops powerful as well and i think there are not so many players that build this for for at scale for the masses and i think hp has a unique position there so over time, I think it will do well, but I also look at it, at it as I mentioned, uh, as an industrial, more like a cyclical company that has its ups and downs. And then the question is, how does it deal with their cash generation over time? And I think that's what they have been doing well. Um, but it's, it is supposed to be a small position in my portfolio. Yeah. So for me, the, the one leading into a recession that I feel, let's say, a, bit of, a little bit uncomfortable with or uh, and such, and the the biggest one i would say is omega healthcare investors and omega omega healthcare investors why it is five percent of my dividend income that depends on them so from other from one side you could say it shows my diversity uh, in my in my portfolio that that many companies don't go much further um than this level and that's how it's been designed it's not a target um, dividend income share. I, I wish it to be more like 2%, but the other areas of my portfolio would need to still grow over time. Yes. So for me, it's already a full position. Look, if you think about Omega Healthcare investors, they are really targeting what I call like um, the last mile uh, people, like uh, 
dying uh, the last few days that's where they offer their services and, and, yeah. and their rental space uh, they have around 65 operators, uh, 900 properties, both in the US and the UK. And they even report the amount of bets. They have 89,965 bets. So I hope that not one of the bets broke. Um, but you know, what? what is the tricky thing here? Uh, it pays nearly a 10% dividend at the moment. And they have an investment grade of BBB minus. BBB minus is literally one level above the non-investment grade. Now we see this more often with real estate investment trusts, so that's in itself not a red flag. But the, it's the combination because before COVID-19, they were already struggling with hiking their dividend. But then when COVID-19 hit, the company, it really, really... Uh, got got bad many tenants uh struggling some went bankrupt continuously restructuring i do believe that if there's one real estate investment trust trust that has experience in restructuring their clients it's them yeah they are really top-notch nowadays in in this by all the experience they gained and they have been actually doing miraculously well i must say so the good thing is in their contracts when the tenant cannot pay off, most often Omega Healthcare gets the chance to, um, uh, let's say, restructure it. Um, but then COVID-19 came and many of the people died already in the hospital before even entering <laughs> such such one of their uh, nursing facilities. And 10% approximately of their operators at this moment, according to the last quarter filing, um, uh, could not meet the mortgage payments. Yeah, so that's that's a lot. That's really a lot. Now, again, surprisingly, their FFO funds from operations that we use as a measure here as cash flow has been doing, um, I said, relatively well. But still, the dividend was not covered. But if you go to the adjusted free funds from operations, it it, it was covering it. But you know, we don't like the term adjustment here because it makes management always look better. So. For me, I have a feeling here like what Shell had at the time. Shell came out of an oil crisis in 2016, hit their um, earnings power really severely. It was just crawling back up in 2020 and then COVID came. And, and that was for them the nail, nail in the coffin for their, their dividend streak record. And I have the feeling here as well with Omega Healthcare's. I think the the company is really committed to the dividend because that's what they know their investment cases is. Um, but if now something would happen again that really puts, for instance, um, government funding for those support programs uh, at risk, I think that would be the nail in the coffin. They are they are they are doing kind of managing it well in really really difficult difficult setting, but you know they need a briefer yeah and they still need two three years probably to get out of this so yeah. any deep crisis that cuts into government funding as such for instance if they need to bail out many companies therefore there will be not a lot of federal budget left for for uh, those kind of healthcare uh, programs yeah which they in the end depend on i think that will be really putting the dividend at risk so that's where I don't feel really comfortable. And now the issue, of course, with this company is like what to do with this, right? Would you see them diluting their shares quite heavily to, to sustain that dividend? Um, I think that's a typical option for a real estate investment trust to raise yeah. capital like that. Um, I, I think all options are typically on the table. Not today, but we're talking about what if, if there is stress, right? Yeah. And what, what's, your, what's your yield on cost? Um, I think um, if you look at it from that point of view, my yield on cost is probably 9% or something like that. Um, let me quickly check. My yield on cost is 9.9% uh, uh, and currently the yield is around 10%. So I'm, I'm kind of flat. Although over the years, I have earned half of it back in dividends from my investments. So I have a 50% return over those years i did have a bigger position in the beginning i yeah. trimmed it a little bit to 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 be in sync with my tier system yeah um yeah but of course the dividend yield is really high so 
if I would sell this position, there's no position where I will get the same yield for a company that I know as well as Omega Healthcare uh, investors here. And I always had it for the high yield, expecting yeah. no dividend growth or really low. But on the other end, I before I bought, it was before COVID and such, and before the mess happened, I did believe that their dividend was safe. Okay. I, I ranked their dividend as borderline safe at the moment, which means, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if a dividend would be cut. I don't think they would cut 10%. They might cut it to 5% in half. But then the question still is like, where do you see opportunities that give you the same dividend yield with then again an opportunity to grow? I think it would do a lot to my capital um, that I have invested, my principal. So this for me is a really a difficult one because the opportunity cost and dividend income, that's where really the, the difficulty here is. I don't see this company going bust as, as such. Yeah, yeah. and people will continue to die. Are they an automatic sell if they cut the dividend? Is it an automatic sell or does it depend on no, no. the level of the dividend cut? Yes, yes, because I have classified this as a high yield um, uh, company, not so much as a dividend growth company. And I've got two other companies like this. That's uh, BHP Billiton, the mining, and Rio Tinto, the mining. I know that they cut their dividends from time to time, but over the years, they give me high yield. So this also means that from, let's say, my total dividend income, I've got, let's say, 10% of my dividends that I uh, have, dividend income that I haven't classified as dividend growers, but more like high yield, which means that that 10% is automatically at risk during crises. And I'm really sensitive to that because I always say, I hate it when a company cuts their dividend when I need it the most. So that's also when you think about re financial independence, retire early. I will not go at 100% coverage. I will go at 110, 120% uh, yeah. coverage. Okay, cool. Nice one. Um, I move on to one of, of my second companies, and that is Bass F, the German chemical maker. Um, we do know that chemical production in Europe, particularly in Europe, is starting to slow down at the moment. And the company, are responding to this by investing heavily in capex to support future growth um, and they're doing this pretty much outside of europe i think china is the main target audience there but if you look at their projected plans right that capex is they've, they've put aside 28.8 billion over the next five years up until 2027 over the next four years with 2024 and 2025 being the peak years of, of this spend that equates to roughly about 6.3 billion each and every year it's it's not going to be exactly that but that's if if you were to average it out okay when i look at their dividend their dividend equates for about 3 billion at the moment the free cash flow was 3.3 billion which gave them uh, quite a high percentage payout ratio uh, as it was and they were adding in this additional capex on top of that which is going to put huge pressure on the on the free cash flow BASF have cut the dividend in the past, and I don't see a scenario where they are increasing their capex to a point above their free cash flow where they can't cover their div dividend and sustain that dividend. I could see them generally cutting that dividend right next year or 2025, and then as future growth happens, they might they might take off. But for me, that's my main my main thesis here is like it's a declining European market. Capex is growing, free cash flow. Is, is steady they've, they've actually forecasted that to decline again next year by about 10 percent on top of this capex um so i would not be surprised if this company did sell or did cut their dividend and as such i'm contemplating selling them for for that reason oh that's that's really really interesting because i think you own them also as part of the dividend harvesting uh how it's called dividend uh yeah, dividend capture oh dividend capture. Yeah, yeah yeah so yeah, yeah. that's how that's how i ended, ended up with these guys i was i was doing dividend capture and option trading and, and they ended up my portfolio i actually looked at them at the time i think that was roughly 80 months ago and i was like okay uh I, the dividend looked relatively safe um but the, the picture is starting to change particularly like that is a cyclical market i suppose similar to hpq these guys are cyclical and and it's how they deal with that in in that moment in time but i just believe with the capex spending to grow aggressively over the next two years and free cash flow to to decline 
I think it yeah. does put massive, massive pressure on their dividend in an already cyclical company. Yeah. But honestly, I'm so much more optimistic than you <laughs> because um, they have a really strong dividend growth history since the early 2000s. And yeah. only in 2008 uh, and 2009, let's say, they cut the dividend by 10%, just yeah. 10%. And, and they have been growing since then again. They've been always very articulate about their dividend policy to have a, a flat or growing yeah. dividend. And they have a pretty decent balance sheet, right? Um, uh, from that point of view. Of course. Um, so, yeah, I, I can see when, when you look at the, the cash flow and their investment needs, I, I fully can follow your story, but I'm a bit more optimistic towards the commitment of, of the board of directors towards the, towards the dividend. Yeah, and, and the balance sheet is one of the reasons I ended up staying with them when I did that dividend capture. Mm -hmm. They do have a pretty strong balance sheet. But if, I mean, if you have three to four year plan like they have of extreme capex yeah. spending, yeah. there is a risk that could get worse and worse for them to pay. It actually might make no sense for them to, to, to continue rising or, or yeah. holding that dividend. It might make sense to cut it, keep the balance sheet strong, and then once they yeah. come out of that and are generating strong increasing, yeah. it would make more business sense. And I would be happy for them to do that. But again, yeah. this is a low grower. I think, I think this year they cut it steady the five-year dividend growth is like one two percent yeah. you don't get a lot of growth from these guys so you're you're pretty much in this for yield not growth exactly and yeah. if That's they true. if they if there's a risk of then cutting that dividend then that yield perspective is gone you yeah. also have no growth and i don't see a case then where they sit in my portfolio okay fair enough <laughs> but I think, yeah i think we disagree on this one of course, but that, of course. that's what makes investing so nice uh, yeah you know, I, I, I'm I'm good in having yield suckers in my portfolio. So, <laughs> kudos to you. Good, good, good. So, uh, look, uh, let's stay a little bit in, in in the industrial space um, because the second company in my portfolio that I don't feel comfortable with going into a recession is actually really a tricky one for me, and that's 3M. And sometimes we get questions about whether I'm buying more. So full disclosure, I'm not buying more at all. Uh, although it looks very attractive sometimes, right? So just look at the positive part of this story. They pay five point uh, what is it or, or five point ninety eight cents per share or something like that per dividend. They have sixty four or sixty five years of consecutive annual increases and have paid a dividend for more than hundred years without interruption. Now, that's already just like iconic, iconic. Then if you look at their valuation right now, less than 10 price to earnings, 14.5 price to free cash flow. They have a payout ratio of 58% and a yield of about 6% at the moment. Also a return on invested capital around 18% and a return on equity of 40%, but that, that number I wouldn't look too, too much to. Debt to equity of 68% as well. So this looks all really good. Yeah, it's not a fast grower. From these numbers, you can see a slow grower with a decent balance sheet, um, but a really attractive valuation based on the headline numbers. But then we get um, then we get there to litigation cases. And you and ba you and I were both talking about this already. Like in their uh, latest um so they had like, I believe it was on Thursday, they had um, a Barclays investor update or something like that, investor presentation. And what they said, like they can't predict what their what the numbers going to look like for the litigation and the settlements. And therefore, the guidance that they have given of around eight and a half to nine dollars ex exclude those litigation matters. So if you purely would look like that, uh, taking the litigation out of it, you would talk about a forward PE of 12 or something like that. But this litigation is just on top of this. And this is what makes me so concerned because I don't trust American jury systems. We have seen it with Bayer, with the Roundup cases. Um, for me, it's still astonishing that the Department of Defense did a whole, I would say, tender, selected the right earplugs. And, and then later, there's this issue with it and but all the blame is put on 3m so you know I'm, I'm of course a bit biased maybe here because i'm an investor and i truly hope that 
people that really have suffered from this get their uh, get their support and and whatever they need. But it's so much different in Europe than in America with these kinds of things, right? And so for me, this is like a sword of Damocles, Damocles hanging over 3M here. I mean, if we're talking about 10 billion, okay, great. You know, uh, let's um, take it on the chin, put it on the balance sheet, and we'll move on. But with this one, I really don't feel comfortable. And if you then also take into consideration that industrial, that during cycles, also the numbers look much worse. I mean, it will be tough for this company to ever cut the dividend, really tough. But if you ask me what do I feel comfortable with going into a recession, it's it's really, really this company uncomfortable with. Yeah. 3M are a bit of a a mind messing, kind of mess with your mind a little bit because on, on the face of it, you, you just look at the numbers in, in isolation, they make they make perfect sense. But then it's it's as you said, it's that litigation. Even even management came out and said, look, they've guided numbers for 2023. However, this excludes any litigation cost because they cannot put an estimate on it. And that's a little bit scary. They have zero idea how much this is going to cost them, which means we have even less of an idea how much this is going to cost yeah. them. And and as you said, they're coming to kind of like the end of their cycle. We can always see we can even start to see sales declining, margins are declining yeah. as well. Um, so it's coming at a bad time in general. Anyway, not that litigation can come at a good time, but it's 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 converging with the end of a cycle, and it's it puts it put these guys at at risk. I feel like their dividend could be safe if it's. It, it just depends on on the amount of the litigation. But management here will not want to cut that. I mean, they've got a sixty odd history, sixty odd year history of paying dividends. They won't let that go too lightly. But at what cost? That's the yeah. That's the key question um it's it's a risk it's 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 a huge risk and for me look i think even if the litigation gets sorted out in some news they're not going to double in price overnight there'll be a there'll be a 10 20 percent increase but even at that they'll still be actually fairly fairly decent value so i think there's plenty of opportunity to get into 3m once we get yeah. a little bit more better news story from them yeah even if uh if in such a day that everything is settled and it hits the news and say price uh, let's say goes up 20 percent on a day yeah you're still not missing out you you, you you shouldn't be price anchored then now they are like 100 bucks but if you can get this company for 120 bucks with such good news behind it it's a steal yeah yes. uh, so to say of course yeah. um, so for me this would be a risk reward if if you're going to make that play you have to be 100 sure of the risks here um yeah and for me that's too high yeah, but I've already buyer for five years of experience with this one. Yeah, um, and it went nowhere in those five years. So to your point, we get as long as this litigation is not clear, like with buyer, we 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 still all this time we get opportunities um, uh, to to buy more um, because the, it will always overhang over the company. So for me, um, uh, 3M, I really don't know what to do with this one. There are days that I'm thinking like. Uh, let's snoop few up. There are days that I think, like, let's throw it out of my portfolio. I don't need another one like buyer. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 an issue, but I I, I agree fully. We, we agree on one at least. Um, but I agree fully on on Trim. It's 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 in the too risky bracket bracket for yeah. me until we, yeah, yeah. until we get some more news. It's a yeah, shame. It, yeah, but here it's really the yield trap, right? The yield is so attractive. If you look at the past history, it's so attractive. I mean, it makes my heart beat quicker right but then the shit on top of it uh so 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 my fear my fear is like particularly new investors and i think we, we've all done it okay so you you get the dividend aristocrat list from drip org right and you you look at it, aristocrats you see 3m 60 odd years of dividend increases check dividend yield six percent oh boy i'm definitely inv and they invest in them for that reason and only that reason and that's what's scary. They might look at one or two of the metrics that that you mentioned. Tick, 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 boy. That's yeah. that's, that's and, the and, problem. And, and you might also um, uh, start re reasoning like this. Ah, you know how bad can it be? Yeah, yeah. earplugs, the PFAS and such. Uh, they have they had great management. They will they will do well. But what you're really doing is just justifying your decision to to buy it at this yield. Yeah.
Yes, it's it's a tough one. I, I get it. I, I struggle. Like when I see it, I think it dipped under 100 marginally. You're kind of tempted. You're going to go, oh, yeah. boy. Bye, 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 bye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I've held that temptation off. Um, okay, we'll go on to the last company on my list. And do you know what? It, it, it was quite hard um, looking at my portfolio. I'm actually quite quite comfortable with most of them. But one of them, they know I'm on the fence about. It's 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 not clear cut for me. As a company, I mean, they, they have all the attributes. Out. They have huge brand power, particularly in Europe. Um, they have positioned themselves very well in the healthy eating space. And I think they've done that incredibly well they have some really good brands there but that is a rising competitive market ingr are another company that has positioned themselves very well in that market and for me i think that market depends a lot on disposable income and also the awareness of healthy eating going into a recession that's where i feel like okay disposable income comes under pressure now it depends on how global this recession is as well. If that happens, say, just in Europe and not in America, we could be okay. If it happens in the US and Europe, we're in trouble. And then if it if it touches China, then someone like Danone is under some serious, serious pressure here because you have all their geographical areas under pressure from disposable income. And I, I do believe that in a recession, people move from healthy eating to I'll put anything on the table so my kids and my family can be fed. Um, we can already start to see that their sales are declining. Uh, not not by alarming amounts, but they are declining. They are offsetting this at the moment with price increases. They are also getting rid of, I, th I think the term that they use is focusing on what we know. But what that basically means is they're cutting anything out of their portfolio that is not performing well. And, and we're seeing that they're cutting, I think nearly 50% of their brands, which, which I think is good. So they are in the middle of a turnaround. The known for me is that, is a better turnaround play than say Intel, but it's still I still think it's a, it's mm -hmm. a turnaround. Yeah. They've changed their CEO. I'm not quite sure how committed he is to that dividend yet. That's that's my my one worry. Yeah. I don't know how committed he will be to that. Um, it looks like he's come in. He's starting to do a good job under tough conditions. He's he probably came in at the worst time. He's but he's trying to to ramp it up. As I say, cleaning out that portfolio. But if the if there was no growth for the last decade, if there's no growth in the next decade. Is that dividend safe? And that's that's my that's my concern. They're, they're not an automatic sell for me here, but it's just one that I'm not completely confident. My conviction is not there for that company like it was two or three years ago. And that's that's my concern. But even if you say if it's the dividend safe, let's assume that the dividend is safe, that they won't cut. Yeah. Yeah. If if, if the business is going nowhere over the next decade, then the yield is really not attractive enough. Then you want to have a high yield like Omega Healthcare for eight nine percent so that you get your return. Yeah, yeah. If there's no growth, but you want dividend growth as well at the same time. And in that case, uh, according to your narrative, I would say like there are better stocks out there that offer a same yield with more dividends. Let's say with more prospect. I I I agree because. Part of part of the reason they're in this is if I look at their, see their ten and five year growth dividend growth, yeah. you're looking at three percent CAGR at ten year, one percent yeah. at five year. That does not sit in my investment thesis. I want I want exactly. an, I want an eight to ten percent return. Yeah. I'm not getting that. I'm putting all my eggs on the potential growth of this company. I, I think it's yeah. it's it's positioned itself very well, but how well can they execute that in this current yeah. environment? And that's that's my issue. So. It, I'm on the I'm on the fence with these, and it's a close to a sell for me because, as you said, there's definitely mm -hmm. better opportunities out there for me. Yeah, yeah. I I, re I mean, I really like their products, and um, I, I use them a lot. For instance, the Alpro brand is really yeah. good. Yeah. And however, I see now a lot of other brands kicking in, and Alpro they raised their prices in our area around twenty percent uh, since last year. Um, but their competitors are almost now at a price level of 50 or 60 percent. So even I start to think like sometimes like, should I really buy this stuff at this price when I get the other product, which is not that much different uh, for almost half the price. So I'm also curious to, to understand like how this price increase is affecting their sales uh, going forward. Yeah, for me... Uh, sometimes I feel like maybe I give Danone too much benefit of the doubt uh, here um, while it's kind of 
trying to reinvent itself. I really have a strong belief in the new CEO. I studied a little bit his past performance and he did really well at the former company. I like all the actions he's taking in, in, into account, but like what we just discussed, like, you know, there are other opportunities out there and how long do I want my money to underperform with, uh, with them, both from a dividend and total return uh, point of view. Yeah, it's 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 a tough one. It's 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 funny. I honestly thought you'd disagree with me more on this than Basef. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's more like you know, you 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 live and you learn, right? Yeah. And um, uh, I, I I tell you, the moment I sell buyer and Danone in my portfolio is the day, or like like two weeks later, they will be increasing 10, 15 percent here. Yields going. Uh, I said dividends being increased and all all the shit litigations from buyers finished. That's how it will happen, and that's why I'm not selling probably. <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest. I'm not. I'm not too concerned about the known share price. I mean, we're not. We're not share price investors, and I, I know you mentioned total yeah. return, but that's that's a long term objective. And yeah, if the growth is there, I, I've no issue with share price. Yeah. But for me, it's it's that dividend growth on top of that low yield. Like you're looking at a three point five percent dividend yield. If I only get one percent growth, I mean, come on, I I can get better than that by investing yeah. in. Uh, real income on its own without any yeah. different growth so yeah yeah. Fixed. yeah but this is what i'm saying like buyer will probably then uh, report that uh, they have settled with the us around and, roundup and, and double their, and double their yeah dividend. yeah and then that as a reward to shareholders they now feel confident uh, to grow their dividends really aggressively and danone will probably have record sales uh, announced <laughs> the moment uh, i sell so cool so so they have a five companies in our portfolio um that we don't feel comfortable in i'd love to actually hear from all our listeners what companies they have that they feel could be under pressure because some of them companies might be in our portfolios and we might learn learn something so yeah definitely drop us drop us comments on all our platforms and let us know what what companies are in your portfolio that may not be comfortable holding during a recession um let's move on to some let's know before that portfolio review let's move on to a portfolio review we we got one from a guy via twitter um i mean he's 20 years of age he's an undergraduate in germany and has been investing a few weeks after his 18th birthday in march um and i'm just going to go through look he has a graph here of the position sizes and it looks pretty well diversified but i'll give you some of his his holdings okay um his top five louis vuitton is in position one apple is in position two avi three microsoft four siemens five and i have to go to six which is asml um i, I have a feeling i know what you're going to say but give me your thoughts i'll give this kid a, a crown he's already a dividend king i mean I, i'm not going to judge at what level he has bought them because it's irrelevant um from that point of view so he might have bought them at uh, overvalued prices, according to us. But if you think about it being 20 years old, none of these companies I can see cutting their dividend in the next decade. Actually, I can see above average dividend uh, growth here, except maybe for Siemens and Upfi. But all the others, I see them hiking their dividends much more than the industry itself. So I think he's set up for... Um, lots of lots of dividends uh like i'm I'm amazed about the strength of this portfolio in the top uh here i mean he he owns some monster beverage i know it's a it's a growth darling so it's more from a, a growth point of view um but if you look at at this in general i think it's a top notch top top five top six top seven portfolio uh i mean I, I really can't criticize it. I, I I honestly cannot see one one company and maybe Procter and Gamble is the only one I, I I might not have in this type of portfolio. Yeah. But even at that, it's still a, it's still a, a top quality. I I can't think of of too many names there that I would I would not like to own. The only one I don't know is Sartorius. I think they're they're a German company, but I'm, I'm not sure mm. what they do. Um. But like you said, it's just filled filled with quality um yeah i'm jealous a little bit uh, particularly how, how young they're starting but i mean we say focus on quality and i think this is what this this guy yeah. is doing with this portfolio i think it's i think it's a really good portfolio i think it's one that will set set him up nicely um 
over the next 10, 15 years. Um, at the moment, he's buying Sartorius, United Health, and Canadian National Railway on a on a monthly basis. I do like the other two, as I said. I don't know Sartorius, but I think it's um, I think it's a smart guy. <laughs> I wish yeah. I wish I had half your brains when I was eighteen and twenty. I have to say, but um, no, well done. That's a uh, it's pretty pretty good portfolio, and I can't criticize it a whole lot. Yeah, he will be uh, he will be retired before he knows it. It'd be retired before me at this rate. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, lis listeners' questions. Um, are you guys buying insurers like ASR, NN, and Legal and General? Great starting yield and growing. The short answer is yes. I just don't have any money left this month anymore to to buy. But um, yeah, small small surprise. I had legal in general already for a few months as long outstanding order at two hundred twenty, and it got triggered uh, this week. Nice. So I'm a fresh new owner of legal in general. But I believe I own enough insurance now. I own all three of them, and it's becoming really large in my portfolio due to the opportunities right now. So maybe I need to scale down a little bit on the insurers to stay diversified. You, you did give a warning last week in in our podcast. If if people want to listen to that, um, as you said, they're not directly in the blast zone, but some of these will hold bonds and and so on in their portfolio. So, yeah, just look beyond the yield and and the growth. Exactly just to make sure you're comfortable in, in these markets. Um, I think we're in for some turbulent times. I honestly do. And we could be getting these at better yields, which yeah. is which is incredible because they're already quite good. Yeah. Um, everyday normal investor, are you buying 3M under 100? Um, look, I think, we, I think we've already explained our position on 3M. Yeah, exactly. As, as tempting as it is, I'm staying away until... until yeah. um, until litigation is finished. Um, Mike, what do you think about REITs? How do you like Realty Income and Vici at current valuations and yields? So I know we're Europeans, but you cannot call him Mike. It's Maciej Machevich. okay? Um, good. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm Irish, I, right? These names are yeah. too hard for me. Like, Just pick easy yeah. ones like Sean. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's that's true. Like uh, really simple. I like uh, real estate investment trust generally as an investing investment holding about realty income. I believe this, the the share price is uh, just going down because of the uh, the interest rates the environment that we are in. I still think that not everything is priced in, so I believe the real estate investment trust could still go down. I still think the market is relatively bullish. But if you think it about as a bond, yeah, uh, like like uh, realty income, you get it now. What is the five percent yield or six percent yield? Then yeah. I, I can see the dividend still growing for years. Uh, they are act proactively uh, managing the portfolio. I believe they did an acquisition again this uh, this week. If I saw it somewhere in the news, so in my opinion, um, yeah, they're good. I I I, I know you like Vici more. I, I don't follow the company, but yeah. from realty income, I'm not buying right now. But it's always on my radar. For if I have some money left and don't know what to put it in, I could always do it in them. But the only word of caution I would give you is not all REITs are created equal. Different, they'll be in different markets, different sectors. Um, you've got medical REITs, you've got data centers, all all different types, and some might do better in this environment than others. So just. Just be wary, just understand what you own, why you own it. Particularly, as we said, rising interest rates. We can start to see rents maybe being under pressure. I think realty income, they're, they're triple net lease and they've built into their contracts that there's, there's growth there, so there is some protection. Um, but just do some do some research. Um, I, I like I like both, both of them companies. The yields are attractive, they are. Uh, tempting but like like what european dj said i feel like we're going to see a lot more pressure on on that read sector and we might be able to pick up some some bargains along the way um okay marco can you talk a bit about the chowder rule how to use it and examples from your portfolio you've got a video on this or a blog post and we'll we'll definitely uh, yeah. get to that yeah yeah, blog post about Chowder Rule, Marco. But how you look at it is uh, simple. It's a combination of the five-year uh, dividend growth, let's say average dividend growth, let's say 6-7%, plus the current yield uh, should be around 12. That is considered 
as kind of a total return ratio so if you do that you know effectively if, it, if you would you know extrapolate that into the future that you will have really a a good growing dividend at an attractive starting yield so in other words it should outperform other stocks if you can extrapolate this in the future now there are some weaknesses to this chowder rule um some argue that even if you back test it right now that it's not anymore um you know having stocks that outperform in growth so, but for me what i really like about it is like it gives you this combination of growth and 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 current yields and if you believe that they can continue doing this by looking for instance at the payout ratio and and the, the business prospects I believe that these are companies that can really outperform still in your portfolio. It's really simple as well. So uh, that's that's why I like it. Um, Upfeed for me was always a nice one that scored here um, really well, but I believe the dividend growth will not be so strong anymore as in the past. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll link to that blog post just to give a more clear yeah. picture of that. Um, next gate, explain your model this would be the discounted cash flow model for your target price in your stocks final sheet. We give three scenarios. Uh, yeah, it, it's really simple, uh, Nextgate. It's an average. That's why it's often a little bit not the same. It's the average of the three. So you can look at the three individual depending on your, um, when you look at our videos or our uh, pictures when we share that. And then you see the growth assumption. You can pick one of them, but the other one is the average. So that's why that explains the difference a little bit. Cool. Um, Rafa has asked us about uh, Beatrice. They went under the radar as they did not increase the dividend. They don't really have a dividend growth policy, but he kind of expected a hike. Um, management was asked on the call about the dividend. It was a bit of a heated response to that. Um, what do you think about it? I think um, the company is doing the right things, first of all. Because what the company has done, it has sold its biosimilars business at a really, really uh, uh, attractive deal, I would yeah. say. Yeah. But they are also transforming their portfolio. This, so there's some elevated risk there. Um, I, of course, as a dividend growth investor, I wanted to see dividend growth. So that's why I'm uh, where I am a bit disappointed. But you know, I guess we're used to that as European investors with European stocks. So let let Fiatris be another one. But if you look at the current multiples and you think at it as a value investor, I think it's way more attractive for them to reduce the share count right now and position themselves so they can give a nice dividend hike next year. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of with the man with management on this one. Also, it's an early stage company. Still, they could have given us like even a quarter of a cent a hike here and 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 just bought bought the difference in uh, uh back yeah yeah i mean i i agree with you they they're they're targeting targeting buybacks and also reducing that debt that's that's their priority and that's that's what they're saying i agree with that look look at their price look at their look at the pe ratio look at all their valuation multiples it is really really competitive compared to any competitors in in that market so it makes complete sense what they're doing of course we would like a dividend increase but again i put these in my high yield play um on top of it's it's probably more a total return play as well I, like I, I think there is a lot of upside in terms of total return here but i'm getting a five percent dividend yield from these at the moment yeah. I'm, I'm i'm quite happy so quite happy. i was always thinking about below 10 it's really a nice uh, uh price but I was looking at them this week and actually uh, disclosure i'm not buying more because they're already kind of around my target size i could still buy a little bit but i just i just every time i'm reminding myself and it's really hard i need more high quality and for me it is not viatris is not high quality yeah it is it is the a decent business at a really attractive price it's not uh, um, uh, i said an excellent business at a fair price and i i'm looking more in the second category right now so that's why i'm not buying more although it's really difficult for me but i'm really trying to fight my my own inner self uh in this one because i really need to change a little bit with my mindset uh towards this and follow what follow the experience warren buffett has what he reads about what when he talks about it so 
it's for me really hard to 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 not look at them but i must i really must i really must okay um centrino again insurance is quite popular um in the insurance sector in terms of dividend safety would you buy nn group or i'm assuming he means asr yeah 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 both at 50 percent well i what i did is i bought i bought both 100 percent. yeah so <laughs> <laughs> nice um Marek has asked us a nice question what significant change have you made to your investment approach lately yeah i just mentioned i i need to focus a bit more on high quality at this moment in time to bring a bit of strength in my portfolio um here from when i did my analysis over the years yeah my, mine was similar and then on top of that cutting out all the ancillary options dividend capture all that kind of stuff that was that was my biggest yeah. change and and trying to focus focus more on my portfolio and um, that's what brought me to the known I'm, I'm reviewing each mm. one um and yeah focus on quality is is try, trying to focus on what i perceive yeah. as quality is probably more correct yeah um steve thoughts on l-o-g-n it's a swiss company yeah it's logitech i, I really I love this company and i i just you know i looked them up again because i felt like aren't they heavily heavily overpriced but I was still remembering them from the COVID spike. I think they went to 120 and they are now back to 40 something. So, and they are now again at around 20 PE and a 2% dividend yield, if I'm correct. So if you wanna have a company that is providing products to an industry like the gaming industry, which continues to grow and be the top uh, producer there if you think about um, not a niche player but like a global player that's logitech so i haven't studied the business steve uh, like in depth i haven't looked at their balance sheet and everything but um how is it i can definitely definitely understand why people love it and this might be such a company as a low yield uh, high growth but um yeah I, I just love their business i love their products it's all top-notch so yeah if, great business if, if if it wasn't swiss i'd be i'd be more interested that yield is too low to pay 35 percent tax on, on that that's the that's the issue but uh, logitech i have that camera here i have a keyboard i have a mouse i have loads of logitech um i, yeah, I but love, it could fit I in it could fit in a kids portfolio where you oh. know it's for 30 years or something yeah. like that actually it would be a decent one for a kids one um manny mystery do you think that the high interest rate inflationary perceived headwind to reads have been priced in enough to look for bargains no 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 much yet i think um there's still too much liquidity in the markets that uh, didn't yeah i think we need to see more storm here okay but, but I'm curious to many. Uh, on a, let me know also on Facebook what you think, many, if you agree with this thinking. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on this. I think uh, I don't think we've seen enough blood in that in that yeah. industry on that sector yet. Yeah, but many is a clever investor, so I'm really curious to his uh, his yeah. opinion. I value that highly. Um, Will Ryan, brilliant podcast, lads. I'm taking the highly diversified yet loads of dividend stocks approach. It's just the way my brain works. Um, have been getting many using Revolut buying US stocks, but I'm now using eToro for European stocks. Um, there doesn't seem to be very many outside the Noble 30 with a half decent dividend yield. Any websites or suggestions? Uh, first suggestion I would give you is get away from eToro. Yeah, <laughs> stay you're, you're paying you're paying more tax using eToro than you would with a different broker just just check that out um don't take our word for it but yeah. check out how much withholding tax you are paying i, I would go to interactive brokers if he tells me he was a revolute and etoro yeah so look um we both have some articles with stocks still on our blog so it's noble 30 but i also made some articles about best dividend stocks in i don't know france germany netherlands so they are more i would definitely look at them I think the insurance uh, sector in the Netherlands in Germany is good with Allianz, Munich RE, um, Nationale Nederlande, ASR um, here as well. Then we have the British one, Legal and General. So just some really good yield yielding stocks that you could look at. Um, but they don't have a history of 25 years of dividend growth yet because, for instance, Nationale Nederlande as an entity just exists like six, seven years on its um, on its own. But Munich RE is on there. So 
there are just some sectors that are naturally interesting. The healthcare, think also uh, about Sanofi, Roche, Novartis. There are a few others there as well. So healthcare, insurance, and industrials are typically good sectors. We have Schneider Electric from uh, from France as, as an example yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. There's that. The, there's plenty there. As you said, we've I've done one on Irish companies. There's a couple of good Irish companies out there. Um, the London Stock Exchange seems to have pretty. It's a pretty decent place to look. I yeah. think if if you're looking yeah. at dividend history as well, it, it it often gets overlooked. I feel. Yeah. Um, but it's still part of Europe. So yeah, and I've um, I've also an article on that on my blog, British dividend stocks, uh, and then we look at DCC is an, inter an interesting one. CRH you talked about the other day. Yeah, CRH is there. Smurfit Kappa is there. So there's yeah. there's plenty of opportunities out there. Um. Samuel, what's your take on insurance stocks in current market conditions, both concerning their business idea to insurers, insurances, and also their investment strategies? So I think, uh, yeah, it's a, what you mentioned earlier and what we mentioned last year, um, last week. They are close to the blast zone, so watch out with that one. Um, just look at the the ones with a good credit rating. That's what I would uh, suggest, and and just put them all in a row by credit rating. And the ones with the best credit rating, I think, are probably, you know, if, if you want to do like a sanity check, right, look like that. But uh, also on Moody's, you can read their latest reports about the credit rating and just read what they have written in there under which circumstances they would, for instance, do a downgrade. And after reading that and you feel comfortable, I think uh, you are already more informed than 99% of the other investors buying these insurance uh, stocks. So that's what I would do. Generally speaking, attractive yield uh, at the moment. Just watch out for some of them. They might be yield traps. Nice. A, a lot of love for insurers at, at the moment. <laughs> yeah, and, but this is nice. Uh, we've seen over the over the three years now here, there's often a certain sector uh, getting beating, beaten up. Yeah, now it's the financial sector but, and, and mainly around banks, but it pulls others with them down. There were times that the healthcare sector was undervalued. There were times that the energy sector was undervalued. And this is what I love about investing. Yeah? Sometimes these sectors, they just give opportunities. And every year, there is an opportunity somewhere, even if the broader market broader market feels uh, too expensive or something like that. Nice. It's good Good words of wisdom to, to end the show on. Um, thanks again to all our listeners, all the questions. Much appreciated. Check us out on Twitter, on Facebook. Um, and... We will see you all next week. See you. Remember, both of us at Dividend Talk are not certified financial specialists through formal education. We are just two guys sharing our journey for inspiration and entertainment purposes. Hence, this is not investment advice. Although we do our best, we can't promise that the information discussed is always correct, nor appropriate for you or anybody else. We always recommend that you do your own due diligence and be accountable for your own choices. As we always say, you can't borrow conviction from others. Last but not least, by listening to our podcast, you agree to hold us harmless from any ramifications financial or otherwise that occur to you as a result of acting on information provided in this podcast.